2 Corinthians 5 verse 11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but we are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favour I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of God's salvation. Amen. We are thinking about reach. This is the session where we talk about things like evangelism. And I'm sure it's the session that you've been all looking forward to the least. Maybe. How do you feel? What do you think when you hear words like evangelism? Maybe for you, evangelism sends shivers down your spine with fear. Fear of what people have said when they found out that you're a Christian. Fear of losing your reputation if they were ever to find out that you are a Christian. Maybe evangelism makes you shuffle in your chair with guilt. Remembering the times when you've not spoken, when you should have, when you've missed opportunities with your colleagues. Maybe evangelism makes you puff out in frustration at the failed attempts to share your faith, not knowing what to say, not knowing how to answer the questions people ask. Maybe evangelism makes you pull your hair out because when you do share your faith, it seems to make no difference. People don't care, they're not interested. Maybe for you, evangelism makes you smile with excitement. You love it. And you can't wait to get back to work on Monday morning and continue on the conversation 
that you've been having with your friends. I think for many, evangelism is something we know that we should be involved in somehow, but really we're a bit rubbish at it. And it doesn't seem to make any difference. Well, this morning is not primarily going to be a how-to session, although things like that would be good to do. I want us to think about what does it mean for Modern Road Church to reach to reach our community with the good news of Jesus, but by not thinking about ourselves and how we feel about what we must do, but thinking about God, about who he is, what he has done for us. And hopefully as we look at these verses in 2 Corinthians 5, of who we are in Christ, what he has called us to do in him, that hopefully we'll be encouraged and inspired to, to keep going and to work together to reach the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, most of the letter, not just this chapter, Paul, in a way, is defending his ministry. We don't have time to go into the details of context, but basically he's trying to convince the Corinthian church that the way that he has done ministry has been good and biblical and right compared with those who are there now who are seeking to put down Paul to promote their own methodology, which is basically full of themselves rather than full of Christ. And in the first few chapters of the letter, Paul describes himself as a minister of the gospel, a servant of Jesus. And here, as we read it, he says that he is involved in what he calls the ministry of reconciliation. He describes himself in verse 20, we read it, as an ambassador, one who speaks about Jesus Christ on God's behalf. He's a representative of the kingdom of God, telling people that there's good news, that there's reconciliation with God through Christ. Now Paul is, in one sense, speaking about his ministry, but at the same time he speaks in a way to show the church to show them who are fellow co-workers in ministry that this is the right model. This is how we should do ministry. This is how we should reach. And therefore, it's true for us too as a church. There are things for us to learn about how we can reach. And so, and so we have reached as one of our four vision statements, not because it sounds nice and fits and makes a nice little pattern, but because it's a biblical command. For them, but also for all churches throughout the ages until Christ returns. And and as individuals, we are part of the church. So let's look. And hopefully we'll be encouraged by seeing the wonderful privilege it is that we are ambassadors, representatives of God's kingdom to reach a lost world. So firstly, let's think about the minister, the minister of reconciliation. Again, these are, this is going to be a whistle-stop tour. We're not going to go into much, much depth, but hopefully it will give you a taste for you then to reflect on uh, later on in our session. As we said just before, one of the problems we can have when we think about sharing our faith is that we feel a bit rubbish, a bit hopeless at it. We feel inadequate to be the ones called to go and share our faith. It can be quite intimidating the responses that we get, what people think in our country today. It's hard. 
But God has called us in our weakness. But he's given us his strength. We are, we need to remember who we are in him. We are ambassadors. Now we will most commonly understand the word ambassador as being an important diplomat that is sent by a state to be its official representative in a foreign country. So, for example, the British ambassador to India is a British citizen living in India whose job it is to officially represent the the country, the the beliefs, the affairs, the, the culture of Britain to the Indian government and to the people. An ambassador is a representative, someone who promotes, someone who is an advocate for a cause. And if you think about it, the term ambassador is really helpful when we think about what the church is and does in the world. The kingdom of God is one of those great metaphors the Bible uses for explaining what the gospel is. And of course to be an ambassador of something, you need to be a resident or a member of that place. And so for us to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God, representatives of King Jesus, it means that we are in his kingdom. We are those who were once not in the kingdom, but through faith in what Christ has done, we are now part of his kingdom. Dan helpfully showed us all the different pictures the Bible gives us of what we used to be and what we now are in Christ. Well, Paul describes us here in verse 17, if you take a look. He says that anyone who is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. We have been radically changed in Christ. In one sense, we are completely different from the world. I know we often talk about the fact that we are, we are sinners like everybody else, but saved by grace, which is true. But we also need to realise that in another sense, we are completely different. We are, as Colossians will tell us in our sermon series, we are those who have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Being a Christian is not about being part of a weird club. It's not about just promoting one belief, way of life over another. But we are citizens of heaven called to welcome others to join that kingdom. Think about someone who is being cured from a disease by the latest medical advances and they now go around as an advocate for the treatment telling people, hey it works, look at me. You must come and and receive it yourselves. So we who have been healed spiritually and one day physically, we're called to tell a terminally ill world that there is a cure to the disease of sin. God has brought us into his kingdom. He has changed us and he has chosen to use us. He's chosen to use you. He didn't rescue you and then take you back home with him straight away. We're all still here to be his ambassadors. No matter who you are, that's the privilege we have. Being an ambassador for Christ. But of course, those of us who are in Christ, we need to make that fact evident 
by how we live and how we speak. And of course we communicate a message. So secondly, the message of reconciliation. What about this message? I'm sure many of us have talked with our non-Christian friends and family and we've listened to their questions, we've thought about the view of the world that they have and we think Christianity just seems a million miles away from where they are. Their understanding of what the Bible says is so twisted and wrong and we, we don't know where to begin to kind of put it right. We feel that this is all so disconnected from our culture. Maybe you're up against clever philosophies. Maybe you come across scientific heads. Maybe you run into human rights activists who say that you're silly, you're foolish, you're immoral as Christians. And maybe it causes us to question the gospel. Maybe we're tempted to change the message to make it sound a bit more inviting. As Christians, we know we have an unchanging message, but yet it's really hard to know how to communicate it to such a changed world. Paul helps us very helpfully in his first letter to the Corinthians by telling us that there were people even then who saw the message of Christ crucified and some thought it was foolish, some thought it didn't make sense. But yet Paul never changed his message. But he did change how he communicated it to the different people he preached to. So we've got to be sure of what the message is as Christians. We've got to know the gospel. And of course it is as simple as ABC. But it is deep and rich and amazing that it will take a lifetime to fully grasp. But the more that we know the message... We've also got to know the culture and the questions and the people we're trying to communicate and to learn and to work together to think how to connect them together. Well, what is the message? What is the gospel in a nutshell? Well, verse 21, chapter 5, verse 21. If you want to know what Christians believe in one sentence, it is this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There is a God who made the world. We have sinned against him and stand condemned. Christ, through his death and resurrection, has made a way for us to be reconciled and calls us to believe in him. If you think back to all the different pictures Dan gave us in the the first one of how God has changed us from one thing to another, what is common in every single one of them is that Jesus stands in the middle. He's the one who became guilty. He's the one who took our shame. He's the one who was abandoned. He's the one who left heaven. He's the one who did all of this. He was the substitute for us. That is the unchanging message we must take. One job of an ambassador is, of course, to negotiate peace between countries. It seems that the the US and the North Korean ambassadors are doing a better job at provoking one another to war than they are at solving peace. But that's the job that they have and that us as ambassadors have too, to bring a message of reconciliation. It's a message 
not one of many, but it is the most important, utmost message of all the broken relationships in the world, the most important that needs being fixed is one with God. This is, this is it. This is the most important thing in the world. Communicating a message that people really need to hear. A message that to some will be foolish, they will mock us and laugh at us. But Paul says again in 1 Corinthians that it's the power of salvation for those who are being saved. But then we think about the fact that we've got to take this message and and all those feelings of panic and anxiety and guilt come rushing back. And we think, how do we do it? Well, I want us to, in in a moment, in little groups, to think a little bit about the how. How do we connect the unchanging message to our changing world? But before we do that, let's think a bit about those motives. There's no point in us thinking about doing evangelism but then still going out in in fear, in guilt. Because we have to. What's Paul's motive? What's Paul's motivation for reconciliation? Well, of course, throughout his letters we hear lots of different ways or reasons why he gives his life to serve Christ. But here we we get a couple. Notice verses 11 through to 15. And you'll notice that Paul's motives don't come from within himself. They're motives that come from out of him, from God. So verse 11, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord who try to persuade others. Paul's fear is not, first of all, a fear of being scared, worried that if we don't do evangelism, God's going to be angry with him but a fear that comes from knowing who God is, knowing what he's done, a fear of reverence, serving God out of reverence, a life of obedience because of honour, a life of undivided worship rather than living for other things. When we fear God from who he is, what he's done, rescuing us from our sin, it would lead us to an appropriate response of living our lives for him. A few verses before that we've just read, Paul does say that we will stand before God to give an account on how we've lived our lives. But that shouldn't drive us to be worried and scared, but it should be a reason that we want to, because of what God's done for us, we want to live our lives for him. Paul says that in verse 15, he says, Jesus died for all, And so those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Raised again. Why do you serve God? Do you serve God out of guilt? Do you serve God because you're told to? Or do you live for him as a response in worship? The second motive Paul tells us about is about the love of Christ. See verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. God's love has been shown ultimately through Jesus who left heaven, took on flesh, who willingly took upon the sin of the world on the cross. 
Christ died for us. That is how he showed us his love. And his love for us should drive us to love him in return. I'm sure that as we continue on in our Colossians series on a Sunday morning, I'm sure it's one of Dan's prayers that as we see Jesus being bigger than we think he is, that that will motivate us to live for him. And helpfully showed us that it's the first half of the, of the book that shows us who he is. And that then drives us to be living for him as a response. And my prayer too is that as we think about how to reach out to East Oxford, to Oxford and the world, that it will be done out of wonder, out of thankfulness of who God is, what he's done for us in Christ, that that would be our motivation. We're going to get a chance uh, towards the end of this session to think about these things we've quickly gone through personally, to reflect, to reflect upon who we are in Christ, to reflect a bit about the message we've got to share, to think about our motives, to pray that God would help us with our motives. And we will do that towards the end. But there's a fourth M to think about first. That is the method of reconciliation. How do we do it? What does it look like for us as individuals, but for us as a church, to be ambassadors, to be Christ's representatives? What does it mean to take the unchanging message to a changing world? What does it mean to be salt and light in the darkness? Very, very soon we are going to become owners of a brand new building. It's not a brand new building, is it? But it's a brand new building for us. God willing. And that's a wonderful opportunity for us to be ambassadors. To be a representative in that community. As individuals, but as corporately as a church. So how can we use that opportunity, use that situation, that new privilege that we'll have, to change the streets and the people and the community around us. Why don't you get into little groups, three, four, five, where you are, and think about the message. Think about, do I have it on the screen? I think. think about, again, very basic outline of the gospel message. What does the Bible tell us about these things? God, sin, Jesus, the response. What does the world think about these things? What are their objections? What are their questions? What are their misunderstandings? And how can we begin to bridge the gap? How can you do that as individuals, in your workplace, in your family? But how can we as a church together, by what we do and by what we say, reach our community? Let's do that. We have not very long, ten minutes or so. Yeah, ten minutes. Why don't you just turn in small briefs and just simply think about those things together. This is practical now. Practical. <laughs>